Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hobo Thing, a podcast. My name is Crystal Cedino, and I am the Training and Development Manager for the Native Learning Center. Really thrilled that all of you are tuning in for another episode this week, so thank you, thank you. With me today is my right hand, Cora Anthony. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Cora. Good morning, everybody. I'm Cora Anthony, the Training and Development Specialist here at the Native Learning Center. Thanks. All right, and today on the show, we are excited to have Keith Gregory, who's the Director of Housing uh, for Pascoyaki Tribe. Um, go ahead and wave and say hello, Keith. <laughs> good morning, good morning. Um, as you said, I'm Keith Gregory with the Pascoyaki Tribe. I am just super excited to be here. Um, I, I think this is an awesome platform that you all have, so I'm excited to be a part of it. Thank you. All right, so today what we're going to be discussing are some of the housing projects that have gone underway for the Pascoyaki tribe. Um, and yeah, so uh, Keith, why don't you just tell us a bit more about your journey, becoming the director, and you know anything else you want to toss in there? Uh, you want the you want the long version or short version of that story? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've been fortunate. My career started almost 16 years ago now. Um, in Pittsburgh, uh, on public houses. I worked in public housing first um, in cities like Pittsburgh. I worked in Chicago twice. I um, worked in Atlanta, Florida, and for the city of Tucson. Um, but I got my, uh, my first ex uh, kind of exposure to travel housing in Juneau, Alaska. So I was the um, chief executive officer of the Clinton Haida Regional Housing Authority in Juneau, which serves uh, Southeast Alaska and a lot of the different travel uh, organizations there. The, a lot of smaller islands, which is very difficult, I found, to get you know things done there. So not done because of their done because of the location, but and then after that, I found my way to my uh, current position uh, with as the um, director of housing for the Pascayaki tribe. Amazing! So thank you for that. All right, now let's jump into um, the you know the projects and so on and so forth. So can you share with us a bit of background? on your construction of 15 new family, uh, single family homes and how, you know, the process was in securing funding and, you know, the impact that these homes have had. Yeah. So I started with the tribe uh, here in 2019. I'm sorry, I'm in 2019. Um, and, you know, we kind of, we were fortunate. I, I dove into a situation where uh, the, the tribe had already done some de some development in the past, so there was a little bit of experience. So that helps. I know a lot of a lot of tribes when they start talking about tax credit projects, there's a learning curve and a comfort level that you have to get to before you can dive into that first project. Or even if you've done one, going into your second or third project, it's still you know the, it's it's a complex process. So it does take a lot of time to get used to what you're doing. The Pascayaki tribe, fortunately for me, had already done six projects by the time I got there. So. I really didn't have that learning curve. I didn't have that education that I had to do. I jumped right into a situation where this was a tribe that was already doing this kind of work. Um, I think the I think the thing that we did differently when I got there was we went bigger. You know, we we decided instead of doing you know 20 units or 10 units, we were going to do 50, which you know was was impactful for us. We we have a thousand at that time. We had a thousand people on our waiting list, and you know we have a need to serve those families and. Don't get me wrong, every unit helps, whether it's three units or five or 10 or whatever, but you know, you don't, you wanna make impactful decreases in, in that waiting list. So those are families that are, you know, oftentimes 
couch surfing there and in overcrowded situations. So for us to be able to make larger impacts, I think it's critical for us to be able to serve those families. So anyway, we um so we dove right in and got got going with our our 50 unit project. We we partnered with an organization uh, called Travoy, and you know worked out how we were going to get the project done. The design was important to us as we were trying to create a whole new subdivision. So ultimately, it's a 40 acre subdivision. And the first project was really all about making sure that we could take advantage of every dollar that was available. This was create a cool project, but at the same time, let's maximize you know the resources that we were able to take advantage of and that kind of led to the, the 50 unit project and it was a lot of fun very exciting um especially once you know it's it's always fun to design that kind of thing it it gets you know, a little you start getting really excited when you get the award but then you get nervous it's like oh wait i actually have to you know do the work now <laughs> but um but it, it was, it's been just a, a, just a wonderful project it's under construction now and we're already planning on we have an application in for you know another phase here we're actually on the third phase of that project so yeah it was that whole process of getting from we need housing to you know we actually have been awarded funding for housing has been has been awesome no that's great so you use tax credits and federal grant dollars or you did ask me that i'm sorry i probably should no it's okay <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so our primary source of funding is a nine percent federal tax credit low-income housing tax credit um, in, in Arizona, you know, we have every state's a little different as how those tax credits are awarded. Uh, Arizona has a, a tribal housing set aside, so we were in um, in that space. So we received um, roughly 18 million um, in tax credits, which at the time, at least to date, nobody's proven us wrong on this one yet. But so far, that's the largest tax credit award and tax credit project ever done um, in, on tribal land. So we're, you know, obviously really excited about that. And then we combine a lot of other sources. The tribe itself put in up front about about three to five million dollars. Um, then we went after the grant fund. So we were able to get a, an AHP grant. We were able to pull in a lot of different funding sources. Ultimately, when we really worked through all the grants that we received, all the funding sources that we were able to pull together, the project actually, we actually ended up making, it's kind of small when you think about it on the scale of the project, but the fact that it didn't cost us any money overall is, is kind of awesome. So, you know, we're actually going to make about $600,000 doing the project. And that doesn't include our $1 million, $1.5 million developer fee. Um, and obviously the rents that will come later. So this project really didn't cost us anything, which is just amazing to be able to say. 100% because we know that these projects can help, like, especially like 50 units or 50, you know what I mean? New single family homes. That's I mean, you know that that's going to cost something, <laughs> like, you know, exactly. <laughs> so it's really cool that a you had that 18 million in tax credits and that's quite a bit. And then you were able to compile that with grants and then the tribe, you know, put up money as well. So, no, that's incredible. Just I, I feel like, you know, it goes to show with resiliency and tribes and you can make things happen if, you know, there's a will, there's a way. It, it, it really, you're right. It really comes back to that. It's like, you know, you knew, we knew we wanted to do something. And really after that, all it really was was figuring out, okay, how do we get this done in a way that is, is going to be successful long-term, but also is going to be feasible for the tribe, right? We can't, I can't expect the, the tribe to throw $20 million at a project every time I want to build 50 houses. So what sources of funding can we pull together? What resources can we grab to make this happen? But at the end of the day, it was because our council, our community, wanted this to happen and it really just makes it a lot easier when you're in that situation because then all i really have to do is figure out how to make it how to make it real 
No, definitely. I think getting that community approval and involvement makes the whole process just so much easier. So we we were reading about you also have a project on townhomes, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Is that kind of underway? Uh, are you experiencing the same ease as with the um, 50 <laughs> single family homes? Um, yes and no. So yes, and the fact that, again, you know, we we're building our whole subdivision. And you know, so it's it's a three-phase subdivision. It's a single-family homes, townhomes, and then an apartment complex with a commercial piece, which I'll touch on, I guess, a little bit later. Um, but so yes, there was the same ease as far as the community support. There was the same ease as far as council, you know, support and directive. Um, I think what became more difficult and what was was been interesting about these projects is that we're doing them during the pandemic and during the height of the pandemic, right? So. When we started out with Project Seven with the 50 single-family homes, I mean, there really wasn't a lot of competition in in the, in the tax credit space. But also, prices were we thought at the time fairly stable. We found out just like everybody else did that they're not. Um, you know, lumber prices, steel prices, everything went through the roof. Labor price. Then it's hard to keep labor on a project. The townhome project ran into the same thing. Except we knew that going into it, right? So we got really what I would consider really, really. Uh, good you know low bids when we do the construction on the single family homes um, the tax credits did not have the same good fortune they there was a lot more um, cost built in just because you know at that point in time things had changed you know the lumber prices were up there are all these different things that had gone on so we it, so it was it was definitely as easy as far as the community support and as far as the desire to do the project yes um, when it came to the realities of what that would cost it was a little bit jarring, but I mean, that was a reality of the market at, at that time. So, you know, we just kind of had to figure that out. And um, there were some things that we would have loved to have included that we weren't able to include, but, you know, we figured it's better to build the buildings and to get every single thing you want. Yep, that definitely, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Corey. No, I was just going to ask, and so about how many townhomes are you looking to build? So how big is this project? So it's about half the size of the uh, of the single family project. So it's 27 uh, townhomes, and again, driven almost entirely by the fact that it costs more per unit to do them, like considerably more per unit. You know, I, uh, I always I always joke with people it's like, you know, townhomes they should be like luxury. They they should have you know marble floors. I mean, the price almost doubled per unit. And you're just like, wow. But again, every single thing during that particular time frame was more expensive. I mean, it was it was difficult to get labor. It was difficult to get materials. So everybody was was you know building that into their bids, and you know, we have good relationships with our with our contractors. So we were able to kind of work some of those things down, and do some value engineering, do some different things that um, work the price back. But ultimately, I mean, price is what it is, and so it did limit the size a little because we definitely would have done another 50 unit project. I I'm, I'm big on you know I love big projects. I would do 200 units. Somebody let me, but um, you know we just we you made it work because again we we were committed to the overall subdivision being completed. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about the community a little bit. And um, as far as what you know on like how the community feels about these incredible housing, you know, developments. You know, I think the most telling thing for me as far as how the community feels about the, the developments is the number of calls that we get from people just asking, how can we get into the new houses? And so that that to me, you know, when you get the first call, someone's like, hey, I heard you build new houses and I saw some pictures. 
how do I get in? Like, okay, we're doing okay. We did something right. I don't know if we did everything right, but we did something right. Um, the community response has been awesome. I mean, you know, it's from pretty much every day somebody's asking us how to get in the units. We've had, you know, I've, I've done, and my staff have done, not just me, even my, myself, my staff have been asked to give presentations on design, presentations on planning, presentations on project management. So it's it's been just this, this huge thing for us that people have started to, one, recognize that we're building something that I think is, is very, very exciting for our community. But two, that the staff that I have and I get to work with every day, that they are very talented, very qualified, and can speak to doing innovative, modern, new things. I mean, in the city of Tucson, or in southern, southern Arizona, actually, we are the largest developer of affordable housing outside of the Phoenix Metro. And I found that to be very interesting, given that, you know, there are some pretty major developers in our area. But when it comes to southern Arizona, I mean, we, over the past couple of years, we've been the primary, the largest developer in that area. And it, it again, it goes back to that support that we get from the community. Not, I mean, even obviously the tribal community, but even outside of that, the, the city of Tucson is always reaching out. Hey, we, we saw you're doing this project. It's awesome. Would you like to partner with us? Would you be interested? So it's very exciting to get that that support, get that feedback, and it be positive. You know, obviously when you do something wrong, people are definitely going to tell you. They don't always they don't always tell you when you're doing something right. But this has been one of those really wonderful experiences where everybody seems to be excited about the stuff that we've got going on. And I'll say this, I saw the the handout of the houses for the Travoy um, yeah. Oh my God, those houses are beautiful. Like just very <laughs> modern, beautiful, beautiful homes. Which brings me to then my next question, because the other <laughs> thing that caught my eye was the luxury apartment. Um, <laughs> you guys are, are, I think it says it's going to have like spas and whatnot. Yeah. The residence is at Avenida del Yaqui. So can you tell us a little bit more about that luxury experience? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's my, um, that's, that's our, uh, our showpiece. That's our flagship, you know, kind of thing. Um, we, so our, our tribe is kind of unique in that we're not located just in one area. So we have our, our reservation is just outside of Tucson, Arizona. So we're a very urban tribe in that in that sense. So our reservation is really connected to the city. But we also have cultural communities all throughout Arizona. So there are multiple cultural communities in Tucson region, and then there's some in like Coolidge, Arizona. And, and, but then we also have a, a cultural community in Guadalupe, Arizona, which is just, it, it's in the Phoenix Metro. It's really next door to Tempe, Arizona, which Tempe is just, I mean, the entire Phoenix Metro is just, Kind of just blowing up as far as uh, prices are concerned and rents are concerned so we're able to draw i mean the the kinds of rents you can get in that area are just phenomenal so we kind of leveraged that and thought to ourselves well guadalupe as a community is kind of sandwiched in between some very affluent areas and what you'll see there's a there's a main road that drives through and it actually changes names as you go through the community but that road all the way up until the literally the town line the, the, the city limits <clears throat> It um it it has luxury apartments. I mean, three thousand dollars, four thousand dollars a month in rent, all the way up until the town limit, and then there's not a single apartment after that. So our kind of thing is, well, we can we can build this. You know, we can do the same thing all these other developers are doing. We can bring in a luxury. We can bring in those rents, and we can benefit the tribal members because the building's going to be actually a mixed income and mixed use project. So. It's going to have, you're going to have uh, retail, like, like a lot of new buildings do on the, on the lower floor. Um, you're going to have office space, but then you're going to have a mixture of affordable housing and market rate housing. 
So you'll have some families that are paying a market rate that might be paying $4,000 a month, and you have other families that are paying $700 um, as an attempt to make sure that tribal members have access to this building and all the resources in it. But also, you know, there have been a lot of studies, and, and I don't know if we've done as many on the tribal housing side as that on public housing, but there are tons of studies that show that those kinds of communities actually serve both populations better. You know, those who are, are lower income get access to more opportunities because they're going to naturally interact with people who make the kind of decisions at their organizations to hire or not hire or, you know, buy services, those kind of things. And the people at the higher income get to interact with people that kind of forces diversity. And it, it creates kind of these communities where people kind of naturally engage without so much concern for income. Um, but also, we got to put a pool on a roof. And that was so fun and so awesome. So, um, you know, it was, it's just one of those things where we get to, you know, we get to do the cool project and we get to add in all these luxury features. But I think for us, on top of the fact that it's a critical housing need that we're meeting, we're also, you know, kind of expanding our, our own reputation. So, you know, we don't just do traditional tribal deals. We don't just do tax credit deals. We can throw up a luxury building just like anybody else and we can do it just as well as anybody else. You know, we have a, a great architectural team. We've got a you know, great support staff and the project. And I love I love the weekly meetings. We get the I, I'm so I'm on like one of those weirdos. So I have I have this the most amazing deputy director in, in Rolando Jaimez and he does. He's, he's like really awesome on the construction side, which drives me nuts. Like it bores me to death. I, I'll be honest about that. Like going in going to construction sites like bores me to death. But I love the design side. So I'm always like, I love those meetings where we're talking about, okay, so we're going to put, you know, these, this foliage on the side of the building, we're going to have this walkway, we're going to have the different stuff. So we have like this perfect team where he and I are in the meetings and he's asking questions about construction. And I'm just like, oh God, we're doing this again. But he, he specializes and he's really good at that. And I'm, I'm over here like, we should put this, a sky bridge. He's like, dude, no, we're not building a sky bridge. So it's this good balance between me wanting ridiculous things and him telling me what we can actually get built, you know? But the project, you know, we we are very excited about just the the whole scope of the project and, and what it's going to mean to the community. I mean, just the the taxes that will be provided to the community are going to be huge for for the town, which will help support it. The housing aspect, the, the financial aspect for the tribe. I mean, we we expect to make several million dollars doing the project um, on top of our developer fee. If it, you know, cash flows very well, we hope. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a super exciting project. Sounds like it. Um, just looking at the designs for the homes here with the slanted roofs and so on. So <laughs> I think that's so cool. You don't see that all the time, you know. I don't know. At least in Florida, everything's very like, <laughs> square, modern, boring. Sorry, Florida, but ugly. <laughs> I lived in Florida for a while, and I you know what I, I I remember. Well, there are two things I remember. One that the lizards, so I, I'm from the Midwest, so I'm not used to like the lizards and the lizard, it would rain, now it rains like crazy for like an hour and then it stops. And the lizards would like crawl up on the window, on the on the, on the the shades on the window to try and stay, keep from, I guess, drowning in the monsoon rain or whatever it is. And so I remember that. And I also remember that all the houses had like screened in uh, like porch pool things, which I thought was super cool because like the one thing about a pool is like out here, if it rains, you can't get in your pool, but you know, you had it screened in. I thought I always thought that was super awesome. So I mean, that part's not that boring. It's very exciting. I would love to have a screened-in pool. 
it's overrated. <laughs> I've been through my entire life. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. And when you got when you mentioned the pool and the roof, I was like, oh, very Florida of you, because all of our condominiums, like in the downtown area, you know, have that. Because where else are you gonna put it? There's no space on the, you know what I mean, like <laughs> ground floor level. So yeah, no, that's incredible. Um, you mentioned earlier, um, commercial buildings. Mm-hmm. Some work with that. Can you just give us a little like taste of what that's about? So so. So we have an on-res and off-res side of things that we're doing, right? So we have our on-reservation was just the 50 family, the 50 single-family homes, the townhomes. Those are on-reservation projects. The residences at Avenida Del Yaqui is, is off-res in our cultural community in Guadalupe, Arizona. The third and final phase of our, what we're calling Yaqui Square subdivision, um, is a multi-story apartment complex with an associated commercial and retail building. So one of the challenges on our reservation is we we don't so tribal members have to actually leave the reservation in order to you know go to the grocery store, buy serve, you know, those kinds of things. We thought it would be kind of unique if we could bring some of that. Obviously, we, we're not gonna beat Walmart, but if we could bring some of the of the retail services back to the reservation to help circulate the dollars inside the community. Um, so what we ended up doing was we planned out uh, a, a multi-unit apartment complex. So it's it's 50 units. Uh, it's got a nice outdoor area. It's, it's a very cool building. It's going to have a farmer's market. And then it's going to be attached or like adjacent to it. We'll have a full commercial building, which we'll have offices in. But then the first floor will have a full retail set aside as well. With the goal being, you know, we have we noticed two things. One, like I was saying a second ago, everybody has to leave the reservation in order to access services. If they want to go buy anything, loaf of bread, anything, they have to leave. That means those dollars leave. And it's not like Walmart spending a lot of time investing I'm, it sounds like I'm talking bad about Walmart, but not their fault. They're just, that's just who's there. You know, they're not investing in our community. It's, it's just not their thing. Um, so we wanted to bring those resources and we could get a small, you know, corner store where people could buy just basics in our community. One, it'll help build up that capacity with, within a potential uh, a tribal entrepreneur. But then also we have a ton of people that go around our reservation, come to our offices, selling things that they've made, selling food, selling jewelry those kinds of things. The building's gonna have kind of a farmer's market area in it where those individuals can just set up shop. They can come in at nine in the morning, set up and hang out for however long they want and sell stuff and they'll have a natural customer base. So the office staff are gonna be there. We you know, we always buy lunches and different things. So your customers are all in one place. You don't have to go from house to house or building to building. Just come to one place. If you have a food truck, you can set up in front. If you sell jewelry, set up a shop. But that way, you know, not only do you have the office clients, but you've got 127 families that live in that general area that could walk over there pretty much every day and buy basics for their home, buy stuff that's being sold by the community members. It becomes hopefully a, a community square kind of thing. So that project is we have the application in. We have we will find out about our award here in a couple of weeks, which we are very excited about and hopeful um, that we get funded. And so Exactly. Oh, yeah, we're holding. We're, I'm, I, I tell people like you don't want to see my feet. I keep my toes crossed all day long, hoping that you know, hoping that we get the award. But uh, you know, we're very. You know, that that project is is kind of like the big culmination of our on reservation subdivision. We really, really, really want to get that done. Things are looking well. Uh, we 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 you know, there's a self score process here. We our self score turned out very well, so we're hopeful that um, the the state the Department of Housing agrees and. We get funding and then we'll we'll go forward and get that one under construction too. 
That's beautiful. And I, I like the idea that the other families that are not part of the community that are going to be living in that luxury experience also get that connection to the culture of the tribal members and like the products that they'll be selling and things like that. So it really kind of bridges the gap and brings it all together very harmoniously. So that's awesome. Like this, this is one of the projects that I'm like, this is, would be really cool to like see it in person once You're it's completed up and running. So. so we'll send you, you know, when we have our ribbon cut, we'll make sure to invite you all out. You can come out and see the whole thing. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Okay, well, I don't have any other questions, Crystal. Do you have any other questions? No, Keith, any final commentary for our listeners? No, you know, I just want to say thank you to both of you for, for inviting me and giving us this opportunity. And we, you know, we love the work that we do. And, and we love the fact that, you know, if, if there are other tribes that can either learn from what we're doing or want to experience what we're doing, you know, we're here. It's not just about us. You know, we, uh, we've learned and I've learned even, you know, that it's all it's about the entire tribal community so you know anybody who wants to see what we're doing or wants to learn or visit or whatever we're here to help you know it's not just about us but also you know we're, we're so excited that we can do these kinds of things i mean we get up i get up every morning and I, it's very rare that i've loved a job where i get up and i'm like i get to go to work today and i get to go do awesome stuff and i feel that way every morning i get up and i know the work that we're doing i know it matters to to people we're not just making money for people. We're we're making homes for families. We're helping people have a better quality and have a better standard of living. And that is just it's inspiring. It's exciting. So we love to be able to do that. And these projects. I mean, we have great partners. You know, from from Raymond James, Redstone, Travoy, all these all these great partners that we have that help to make these things real too. So it's you know as much as it is us, it's also a, it's a team. It's a partnership with everyone. And so we're very appreciative that we have just just great partners. HUD, ADOH, all these all these groups. So, um, no, I just, you know, I, I will thank you both for, for the invitation. This is, I mean, you all have a, just an amazing setup here. So you guys have been great to work with. So thank you so much for the opportunity. And, you know, I'd love to come back if we ever, you know, when we finish the projects and we'll talk about it again. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you again, Keith, um, for taking the time to join us today. We hope that you have enjoyed today's episode and thank you for listening to the Hope Within a podcast. Remember, if you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, and Spotify. And also visit our website, www.nativelearningcenter.com to find more information on upcoming webinars and virtual trainings. Thank you.